Hi everyone, I'm Becky. And this is Claire. And welcome to another episode of Podway! So, um, in our podcast, we always talk about things about musical, theaters, and place. And in today's episode, we'll be talking about School of Rock. All right. So I think like the preamble of our familiarity with it will be really, really short for this episode because... <laughs> We picked this one on purpose because neither of us were familiar with it was familiar with it in any way, shape, or form, I believe. Correct yep. me if I'm wrong. Yes. So um I've heard of its existence previously. I've seen it was relatively popular, like on Broadway or like West End. They always have some kind of showing for it. And I know like Jack Black was in the movie, but before that I didn't really know anything about the musical itself. How about you? Me too. So <laughs> <laughs> pretty much no knowledge no experience, no nothing. The funny thing is, when I was actually going to watch it with my boyfriend, he was like, oh, I already watched a movie. And I'm like, what? Out of all the musicals? Like, he's not a musical person, um, just for reference. So most of the times, the things I watch, he would not know any of it. But he said that he knew this one, so I was so shocked. But apparently, it's one of the movies that their teachers show them in the music class. So I don't know, maybe some of you knew this movie from school or something but so, for me absolutely no knowledge yeah I mean I think the movie was released when we were pretty young it was released in like 2003 exactly. um so we might have been like just the age demographic or maybe just a little bit before the age demographic um but yeah I didn't have any familiarity with the movie I assume it would be really popular because like again Jack Black is in it and I don't know how to say her last name but Miranda Kroskov I think uh who played iCarly was Mm -hmm. summer in this uh, in the movie production so I can imagine it would be pretty popular but I'll just give a synopsis before we get into the musical proper. So essentially, the premise of the show is when Dewey, a failed rock star, impersonates his friend to land a job as a substitute teacher at an elementary school. He helps turn both his students' lives and his own upside down through music. Um, so it's a pretty simple premise. The The show itself, I just want to say, ha- was pretty popular and is still relatively popular. It was created by Andrew Lloyd Webber. Um, so this is the second musical of his that we're covering in here. The first one, of course, being Cats. And they couldn't be any more different, I think. Um, I don't know if you had the experience. Like, I would have never guessed that this was the same person who created Me Cats. Me too. I was so shocked when I learned it. I'm like, I can never see anything that's similar to Cats or Phantom in this musical. So I was very, very surprised. Yeah, I feel like, um, so I have no familiarity whatsoever with Jesus Christ Superstar. And I feel like he might have tried to recreate some elements or something along those lines, because I know that it's more of a rock feel Mm -hmm. to it as a musical. So maybe this is like the baby's version of that. Who knows? Um, But yeah, I feel like in terms of his musicals, Andrew Lloyd Webber is kind of polarizing uh, because his earlier musicals are very much beloved and his later musicals, especially Love Never Dies. Oh my um, god. Yes, are a little bit are a little bit more scrutinized in a way. So it will be really interesting to see what we think of it um, and what are our opinions of it. But yeah, in terms of how successful the musical is itself, it premiered in 2015. So it's a relatively recent musical. And just like a lot of the other musicals we covered, I think it's relatively popular on Broadway. Like it was nominated to a few, for a few Tonys, but it didn't win any of them. And was, in my opinion, more popular in West End and it like where it won a few awards, actually. So um, yeah, a little bit polarizing in that sense. 
But uh, without further ado, let's just dive right into it. So the musical opens with a number, I'm Too Hot For You, um, where Dewey, the guitarist, uh, constantly tries to be the center of the stage instead of the actual lead singer. And as a result, his band members just grew sick of him and decided to kick him out. Uh, but he hasn't heard that yet. Part of this plays while the stage is kind of dark. Personally, I'm just going to give my opinion on it because it's not a very meaningful song. It's very generic. Um, it's a lot more sub subdued than the next one. So as always, I listen to the cast recording way before I listen to or I watch the musical. And the cast recording opens with the next song. And I think it makes a lot more impact. So this is a, really, a little bit disappointing as an opener for me. It's a little bit tepid, but maybe that's exactly why they decided to put it at the top. Just to show that like, you know, the music that he creates is not as exciting as as authentic or as like passionate as what he will create later on in a musical i don't know if it's something that is like deliberate but in my opinion this the song is kind of like meh. what do you think yeah well for a starter i'm gonna say that i was actually quite a big fan of rock before oh um, okay that's yeah. <laughs> because i absolutely know nothing of rock and i was about to say that i'm like a big phony here so um i'm glad that we have somebody who actually knows anything about it i mean i i'm not like an expert or anything i just enjoy listening to it for a while during my teenage years i feel mm -hmm. like everybody or at least the friends that i had at the time that they all kind of went through a similar phase of like diving into rock at some point uh -huh. um so i had that time as did well. you have an emo phase no, definitely not. Okay. I just like listening to it. Okay, okay. I was yeah. going to be so excited if you had it because it was like, I cannot imagine you emo. Yeah, I cannot imagine myself doing that as well. <laughs> yeah. Going back to the song itself, yeah. I agree. I think it's a pretty weak opening number. Um, Actually, both opening numbers seems pretty weak to me. Ooh. Um, I'm Too Hot For You, it's like a very typical rock-ish song I wouldn't even call it rock necessarily yeah. it's kind of boring like you said um it's not bad it's not like horrible or painful to listen to but it's just boring like it's one of those kind of I want to say like the mainstream songs you're gonna listen to from like I don't know billboard or something that kind of just doesn't really leave an impression in your mind and that's mm -hmm. kind of just it. I'm so glad you're saying this because what? I who know nothing about rock the entire time was thinking like oh everything in the musical could be top 40 billboard like music pop more than rock and I'm glad that I'm validated by somebody who actually knows anything about rock and it wasn't just like me not understanding the genre very well. Um, so yeah, I feel I like I think rock has become a pretty interesting genre, especially in recent years, because mm -hmm. a lot of things that's not technically rock is considered rock or being categorized into rock. Like mm -hmm. for example, One Republic or Coldplay. Like in my definition, that would not be defined as rock at all. But people describe it as rock, so I don't know. Could it but, be that like you know some artists shift? Their musical styles, for example, Taylor Swift Maybe. used to be country, and now she's definitely pop, or she's going into indie, like, later. So I feel like maybe One Republic, or I feel like Maroon 5 used to be considered rock even at some point. Maroon 5 um, is definitely not rock, I oh, feel Oh, for like. sure, for sure. Um, so I feel like maybe it's, like, the fact of them being incorporated into top 40s and seeing that it 
is benefiting their career um, and they decide to stick to it. Maybe that's that's a sense of it. But again, but I don't know anything about rock. But I don't know. I feel like rock is getting less popular nowadays, mm-hmm. which is weird because you always kind of see country songs or rap songs in like top 50 or something. But you see country songs in top 50? Yeah. Where? Where? You don't, you don't watch Billboard Top 50? Like, I, I they're do. there every week. No, no. If there is, like, a country song, I feel like it's an anomaly rather than a rule, you know? I feel like country songs are not that popular anymore. Oh, Becky, you should double check. Like, there is at least five to ten, like, every week. What? Okay, I think that's overblown, but we can we can tell. You should you should search it up on YouTube. <laughs> but anyways, my point being is that I know like uh, genres like those they kind of don't grow old, and there's always gonna be people listening to them. But then rock, like compared to that, feels like not dying out, but is becoming less and less mainstream in a way, which is a shame to me because I really enjoyed rock before, and now that it kind of changed or shifted, or I don't know what's the word, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe this is just me. I'm not like a diehard rock fan anyway. So if you guys know like other bands that I don't know, then maybe it's just me being not knowledgeable enough or something. So but it's just my personal part. opinion. Uh, okay, so you mentioned that you didn't like either of the opening numbers and this is very curious because the next opening number is actually or what is the opening number in the cast recording is actually my favorite here um and it's when i climbed to the, the top of mount rock um so this is the only one that again to a novice like me feels the most authentic to the genre i'm sure it's horseshit but to me it sounded really good and it was very catchy um but what happens in here um we cut to dewey asleep with his friend and former bandmate uh, mate Ned and Ned tries to like convince his girlfriend Patty to cut Dewey some slack so that he wouldn't have to pay rent because Dewey's unemployed. Um, Patty wakes Dewey up and demands the rent anyway and she talks about her as a Ned's job. She's involved in the local municipal government and Ned is a substitute teacher and when um, Dewey kind of like focuses on Ned's job and says like this is kind of like useless. Ned kind of does a little subtle foreshadowing saying, I'd like to see you try to be a substitute teacher. Um, but after this whole thing happens, uh, Patty leaves Dewey and Dewey to kind of like try to placate him, says he will win a competition called the Battle of the Bands. And with the winning money, he will pay Ned back um, for rent and so on. So um, after this, Dewey kind of like goes to his band where they finally tell him that they're kicking him out. So throughout the entire thing, he kind of fantasizes about his dreams of finally making it as a rock star and what his rock career will pan out to be like. So I mentioned that, in my opinion, this is the best song in this uh, musical. And uh, I think a lot of it is due to the excellent casting. So um, Alex Brightman is the uh, actor who plays Dewey. And of course, he is very well known for Beetlejuice fame. Um, I was kind of like fangirling a little bit to see him. The casting in this musical is immaculate. So Alex Reitman for Dewey and Sierra Boggs for um, Rosalie. And Claire and I both know and love Sierra Boggs a lot. Yep. Um, so I was fangirling hard. Even before I watched or read anything about it, when I uh, listened to the cast recording, I recognized her voice straight away. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Um, but yes, Alex Brightman, 
he gets to flex himself really, really well in this role, um, both in terms of acting and in terms of musical abilities. It's really well suited for him and it will like do nicely and complement his Beetlejuice career later on. Um, and he really makes it for me. It's very energetic. It's very quintessential to who Dewey is, especially in this point of his life. And um, it just like, I think embodies who he's supposed to be very, very well in a very catchy way as well, which doesn't necessarily happen for the rest of the musical that much. So not only does he get to flex himself as an actor and a singer, he also gets to embody the character really well. So that's why I like it. But what do you think? You mentioned you you were not a fan. I think you misunderstood. I mean, like, I didn't enjoy both opening numbers for Act 1 and Act 2. Oh, I 100% agree. Okay, good, 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 good. Okay, 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 good, good, good. Okay, now we clarified it. I can peacefully say that I also enjoy the song a lot too. I think it's important for me personally to separate the song and the character because as a character, I really hate him. I don't like him at yeah. all. I think he's being <laughs> super responsible and um, he kind of just takes things for granted, which I didn't like. And like his whole attitude when Ned was trying to ask him for rent is like, you know, I don't have it and don't wake me up for it. And I'm like, that's not the attitude we want to give for somebody who's really doing you a favor. And especially in that he's actually one of your best friends, if not the best friend. He's the only um, friend he has. They mentioned yeah, it so like the imagine. So I really couldn't appreciate his character in that regard. And I feel like a lot of things that he does throughout this musical is very questionable to me. Um, And how he handles things is very not mature and in a way very super responsible. And I would not agree. (laughs) But if we're just talking about the song itself, it's a very nice song. Um, I like it. I enjoyed it. I think it has... A little bit more of that rocky vibe to it compared to the first song which I definitely appreciate so yeah. for me um as an audience I really enjoy it if I <laughs> take myself completely out of the story and then <laughs> try not to judge his character I'll be like oh this is a good song I can listen to this okay so I think we see eye to eye for this yeah. one at least <laughs> um so the next song is Horace Green Alma Mater in like Proceeding to the song, Dewey goes back to his room and picks up um, the ringing phone. So on the other side is Rosalie, who is the principal of Horace Green Prep School. And she asks Ned to fill an immediate role as a substitute teacher, paying $950 per week. Um, Ooh, that's a lot of money. I don't know, by the way, if you caught that, but in the movie, it was $650 per week. I caught that, too. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, they gave me a raise. Yeah, are you adjusting for inflation or something from 2003 to 2015? Like, what's going on? <laughs> I mean, I think it would make more sense, but anyways. Yeah, true. Um, and then we um, cut to Rosalie taking the parents and teachers at uh, the school and giving us, like, a glimpse into the kind of relationship the students have with their parents. Um, after that, the student and parents sing about the school and what it represents. So... As I mentioned, Sierra Borges is amazing. She's like a goddess. She's great. She is the only thing that gives the song a little spice. Because other than that, other than her, it's pretty boring. It's supposed to be a relatively boring song, I think, because it's showcasing how rigid the school system is. 
but um, it needs something to make it worth your while to listen to. I feel like even a supposed to be boring song needs to have a little bit of flavor. Um, so you would get the gist, but still get something from listening to the song. And she is the tiny thing that you get from the song. Apart from that, I really don't have anything else to say about the song. It just bland. It's bland on purpose, but I am a little bit miffed about how they're handling it. What do you think? Right. Actually, I think it's actually not that boring. I like, I think it's probably because I like when children sing together. It kind of reminds me of Matilda in a way. But other than that, I don't think it's a all too horrible songs. Like, I can live with it. I think Emily from last week definitely has worse songs. I think coming out from that, I have a much higher tolerance in terms of boring songs. Ooh, so, yes. You know what? Speaking what? Emily, I was thinking like, I was debating last time between giving it 6 and 6.5. And if I were to make this same decision after watching this, I would have gone with a 6.5 <laughs> um, for Emily. So really? I think I have the opposite Maybe it's because I like rock a little bit more. I don't know if that plays a role in like that, determining how you how much you like it. That probably does, you know. I think it makes sense. Um, okay. And speaking of Matilda, I definitely noticed the comparison between this musical and Matilda um, a lot, especially with the song that we'll cover later, which is Stick It to the Man. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is the poor man's version of Revolting Children, is it not? <laughs> I know, uh, right? It gave me the same vibe, too. Right. I noticed a lot of comparisons to Matilda, and I think they came around the same time as well. Maybe Matilda a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. So, and Matilda, of course, being such a huge, ginormous success is probably why this musical was developed in the first place, which is a pretty jaded view of it. But I definitely think it had has a lot to owe to Matilda. But personally, I enjoyed Matilda a lot more than this musical. Spoilers to my final thoughts, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so after this, we do have the Here at Horace Green, which is a very similar name, as you mentioned, to the previous one. So we discover uh, Ned is an hour late, causing some concerns among school staff, and Rosalie vouches for him, saying his resume is very impressive, and of course, his resume is actually Ned's resume. Dewey shows up at uh, the school impersonating Ned, and he is, he is hungover and he's like really unprepared uh I honestly cannot imagine a worse impression a person could make at a job um but he made that impression and in response Rosalie with the utmost kindness to somebody showing up to work like that explains to him what kind of institution Horace Green is so what are your thoughts well first of all I think it's really interesting that all the schools in musical well Really just Matilda and this one. Um, It seems to be like the tough grade emphasizing like the highly disciplined schools or things like that. And I'm not sure why media always try to paint this kind of picture because my experience in Canadian school before university was so chill in terms of grades and everything. It's because this is a prep school. So this is a private school. Um, and private school is very different than public school. And for the UK, I think they have like a different system than we do altogether. For the UK, I don't know if it's customary or if it is also only in private or Catholic schools or whatever. The For Matilda, they had like uniforms. Um, so it might also not be public schools, though I can't imagine Matilda's parents putting money towards it. Yeah. Um, it might no, but- be. 
for School of Rock, it's not set in UK, is it? No, the I'm movie, saying like for the two yeah. school, for okay. the for the uh, Horace Green School, it's a prep school, and they stress again and again that the parents pay fifty thousand dollars to take their schools there. So you can see it's a very expensive upper echelon um, private school that specifically readies the children to go into Ivy League schools. So um, obviously in the States you have public schools and the public school is probably more similar to what we have in Canada or probably even worse depending on where you live because I know for the US, I'm not sure if it's still the case, but they used to have a thing where the amount of money a school gets depends on how well the children do on their testing. Um, I don't think we have that in Canada, um, but a private school is completely different environment. And that's probably why it's so rigid like this, because mm-hmm. this is specifically to train the children into going to Ivy League. I see. Okay, makes more sense then. <laughs> yeah, because like, before I was just like, oh, man, like none of this happened in my personal You went to public school here, okay. right? Yeah. Have you ever been to a private school before? No, um, but I've been to a gifted class and they put a lot more emphasis on academics. Um, so we got to go to like uh, universities to tour and to take classes. And we had like all sorts of enriching extracurriculars. So it's not really equivalent to that because it wasn't a private school. It didn't cost like a ton of money, but it was a little bit like that, I guess. In okay. The of the emphasis okay. On I used to go to a boarding school. For wow, I did not know yeah. that about you. Okay, wait. It was very, very brief. Um, How so brief? when I, it was like <laughs> a month or something. Well, okay. So after I graduated from elementary, like my parents wanted me, wanted to put me into the boarding school. And that boarding school, you have to take an exam. It was like situated in this countryside of a very country city that's outside Taipei, um, which is where I grew up. It's very remote is what I'm trying to say. Like, <laughs> if you want to get to the school, you have to drive. Like, there is no other way that you can you get have to a the school. school? No, I don't think so. I can't anyways, imagine. It was very far. <laughs> yeah. And and for a small place like Taiwan, having have to go through all that transportation is very troublesome. And <laughs> most of the stuff is like within like maybe 30 minutes or something. So having to go to school which is like hours away from your home home is is crazy. And like that boarding schools have like pretty strict rules about like um your grades, for example. And then yeah. like they also distance like the female students versus like the male students. Like there oh. is pretty much social distancing in a way. I did not know. And, okay. uh, yeah, it was really funny. It was just like, oh yeah, you you can't like walk too close together and then there is <laughs> like oh yeah like if you if we find out that you're having a relationship or something we're gonna tell your parents what? and then report you or what something is this? this is 13 oh my god this is where everything starts okay yep <laughs> but then after like because they have like a summer prereqs kind of so uh-huh. um in Taiwan you also have like July and August off as summer vacation yeah. and then for the month of August they kind of just do like a pre-school before school actually started um in September Is so I mandatory? was there for a month yeah you mm-hmm. have to be there so I was there for a month and I didn't like it because it was so strict like they were yeah. very very strict in terms of every single thing like how you make your bed 
all the way to like how much you eat in a cafeteria, that kind、oh、of stuff.、God. So it was very stressful in a sense, and I didn't like it. So my parents was like, ah, might as well just like transfer <laughs> back、um, to Taipei, and that's where I ended up going. Ah,、oh, I can't imagine. Literally, people was the class mixed. Yep. Okay, so like within the mixed class, you had to keep your distance from like boys. Yeah, so like within a classroom, you're separated into like two sides. So girls on one side and then guys on the other side. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, I cannot imagine that. And somebody dictating like what I eat or how I eat,、um, and the distance and how I fold my clothes. I'm I'm a messy person. So. <laughs> <laughs> At all,、um, yeah, I cannot imagine that. I'm glad you aren't there as well. It doesn't sound like a very positive experience, but、uh, yeah, yeah, it's I something I did not know about you, so it's cool to know.、Um, okay, so from there we have three songs that I'm going to cluster together. So we have Variation Seven, Children of Rock, and Mount Rock Reprise. So Dewey is. Super incompetent at his job. Surprise, surprise.、Um, he tried sleeping in class and not teaching anything. Instead, calling for recess. So when one of the students,、uh, whose name is Summer, tries to tell him how the school is run and why her parents pay the school so much money, Dewey is kind of like disgusted, saying the school methods are tool of the man who is responsible for everything bad in the world and which they are supposed to fight. So then we cut to Ned and Patty. Patty's going for a run while Ned is staying、uh, grading papers, or so he says.、Um, as soon as Patty leaves, he starts playing Guitar Hero.、Um, so Dewey walks in on him and joins in. And after the game is over, Dewey tries to convince Ned to start a band with him and compete in the Battle of the Bands.、Um, but Patty comes back and she tells Dewey, like. Really cruelly, to be honest, that he's just a dreamer and nothing will become of him. So all these segments are relatively brief. I don't think they're that like they make that much of an impression on me.、Um, in character-wise, there is a really big difference between Patty in the musical and Patty in the movie. Patty in the musical is the closest thing the musical has to a villain. And in the movie, she is kind of like a concerned girlfriend. She's not horrible. She has like. Points <laughs> that are good that she makes,、um, but in here she's like really, really mean. Yeah, that's the only thing that I think stuck out to me about this, the like the song melody they had here. But apart from that, it's pretty blank. What do you think? Yeah, I think Variation Seven and Children of Rock are really weird. Like、yeah. the song itself, it's not bad, it's not horrible, but I just find it a little bit weird in terms of the melody and everything. Like.、Mm-hmm. I guess musically, just not the type of rock that I enjoy the most.、Um, so that's about the music. And for musically for Mont Rock,、um, I actually think that she has a pretty nice vocal in the musical. And <laughs> in terms of the plot and character, well, I do agree with Patty a little bit. I think even though the way that she delivers the message is a little bit mean and almost rude, but I. Can't see a point in the message she's trying to communicate. For because, sure. Yeah, because I can't admire those who kind of continue their passion, but in Dewey's case, like he's really just causing other people's trouble, and he's been relying on others to kind of fulfill his dream or like to take care of the responsibility that he should be taking care of himself. So if he's being responsible of himself, like I'm sure no one would ever have to question anything. Like if he's paying rent, and、um, if he's actually being able to kind of support himself, then 
obviously nobody would care what kind of job you do. But Mm -hmm. as of the moment, like he's been kind of living off Ned and Patty in this case. And um, and from what we can see, he's being not very appreciative of the of the fact, too. Mm -hmm. So I think you can choose whatever life you want to live as long as you can be responsible of yourself. And I think it's too bad that they're trying to make the girlfriend the villain in this Mm -hmm. case, because it really isn't villain like we as audience or like if you watch the movie in the early 2000s you can just be like straight up be like oh this person this girl is so mean like she's obviously like the bitch or whatever but Mm -hmm. she's not she's just trying to stand up for her boyfriend and I don't see any wrong in that I obviously ways of communication needs to be improved so yeah no I think okay personally I mean obviously I think she is at fault for sure because of the way she put it so she is absolutely right in her frustration and Dewey is definitely a selfish asshole and she sees Mm -hmm. that and that's what's frustrating to her but the way she says it with like oh you know nothing will become of you you're just a dreamer you're worthless I think this is a really horrible way to put it even though her frustration is absolutely understandable I mean that's what I mean by like it's too bad they make her communicate like this so like she looks like the villain especially since it wasn't like that in a movie too in the yeah. movie, I feel like she came off as very understandable, um, or at least a lot more so than the musical. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, all right. So we are going to the next segment that would have been my favorite if Andrew Lloyd Webber actually came up with it himself. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is Queen of the Night. Um, so we cut to Dewey coming back to the school late again when he hears his students at music studies with Rosalie, where they perform Queen of the Night from Mozart's Magic Flute. So, yeah, it, it would have been my absolute favorite. Magic Flute is was one of my favorite operas to listen to as a kid, um, A, because I played flute, and B, because it has a lot of, like, fantastical magical elements, which I really like um, as a fantasy uh, fan. Um, and this is the only time they got Sierra Bogues to actually flex her vocal abilities, like they got somebody who is as amazing as she is and they really dropped the ball with, you know, the kind of content they could have given her because she could have blown their socks off when she had like the solo that she has later on. It's a very boring solo and I don't think it does justice to her voice at all. So um, I appreciate it because they let her do her thing and the thing that she does is beautiful. But I really, it just like highlights the problem for me that I think they gave Alex Bergman like a really good role to um, showcase his talent and they they didn't do the same for Sierra. And this is the only moment that they did do something for her. Personally, I don't think so. I mm-hmm. think her solo later on is not that bad. And to be honest, <laughs> I don't really appreciate this number being put here because Queen of the Night is a very hard song to to sing to. Yeah. And not downgrading or um, saying that the musical actresses are not good enough, but the vocal skills required to sing this song is very different when it comes to like opera singer versus musical singers. I so. I think it's very weird that they put it here. Obviously, for Sierra, she did a fantastic job, amazing mm-hmm. vocal. She definitely killed it. But I also read um, online somewhere that in other productions, like a lot of the times, they won't be able to hit that note. 
Mm-hmm. So a lot of the times that they have to like interact with the other children actor on stage when the high nose part came in and they have to kind of just skip that part and not sing it. And I think why put a number when you know that you can't perform it fully? So for me, it's really hard to understand why, like what is the purpose of putting this here? And mm-hmm. especially that this is not an original work anyways. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's just my thought. And obviously, mm-hmm. this is a piece that I really, really enjoy listening to. Like, yeah. I, I constantly search it up on YouTube just to listen to this one. Um, but I have to say that I just don't see a point of interjecting it here. Mm-hmm. But that's just me. So the issue for you is that for actresses who aren't trained in opera, that's like essentially different actresses they get to play the same role they would not be able to do this I think that's a fair critique for sure and considering this is not something that is from the movie for example so she didn't do Queen of Night in the movie um they could interchange like you can they can change it with any other tune to be honest Mm -hmm. in accordance to whatever you know flexes that actress's best skills or best vocal abilities but my like grief with this particular thing is this is the only time that you know the role of Rosalie gets to shine and that's probably because I really didn't connect with the solo that she has later on and it might be a little bit less of a grievance for you because you seem to like it better um but I just wish they gave her more flavor to you know showcase her skills Mm -hmm. um but yeah that's that's definitely a fair point so after this, there is uh, You're in the Band plus the You're in the Band reprise. So um, at the end of the music lesson, Summer asks Rosalie if she's sure Dewey is qualified. Since Dewey is impersonating Ned, who is very qualified, Rosalie just dismisses her. Meanwhile, Dewey sets up the class with musical instruments and is very excited that the children can play music and wants um, him and his students to enlist in the Battle of the Bands. So the students remind him that they can only play classical music and can't play rock. And he kind of like dismisses them and explains the similarities between the instruments um, they're using or they're used to playing and the rock one he has. And I thought that was actually a pretty cool segment. So during the song, he gets Zach to play electric guitar. He's used to playing the acoustic. Katie plays the bass. She's used to playing the cello. Lawrence is playing the keys from the piano. And Freddie is on the drums instead of percussions. Um, he recruits two backup sing- singers, roadies, security, stylist, and groupies. And Summer is the only one without a role and says she doesn't want to be a groupie because they're sluts. Um, <laughs> Dewey makes her um, the band's manager, which like really excites her. At the end of the song, Dewey gives out uh, rock CDs to the kids so they can learn and be inspired. And um, he gets the children excited about the competition itself by telling them that winning the competition can look really good on their transcripts. It will impress, you know, people in Harvard and so on. And in the reprise, we find out that there is one other girl without a role in the band uh, whose name is Tamika. She is new to the school and she is very shy and uh, she doesn't want to be a backup singer. So he just asks her to come up with something um, and get back to him. And he has a really, really cute and endearing moment with Lawrence. Um, So Lawrence is on the keys um, and he says he shouldn't be in the band at all because he isn't cool enough and doesn't have any friends. 
and um, Dewey kind of encourages him, telling him he will be cool by being in demand. Um, so what do you think of this sequence? I think it's a very nice song. Um, mm-hmm. I'm really amazed I, at how the children actors like they know how to play the guitar and the yeah. instrument. I think it's really, really amazing. And all these kids, they're just so talented. I think one of the greatest pleasures of watching this show is just watch them perform. It's just really, truly amazing. Can't say enough about that. Um, the other thing is that I like how when Summer like auditions for the backup singers and she started singing Memory. <laughs> that's exactly in the movie, how though, I saw, like, think. Sorry? In the movie, that's the something that only happened in the movie. I think no, no, the, no, it happened in the musical, too. Oh, wow. It must have been really bad. I didn't even make it up. <laughs> <laughs> it was really bad. But that reminds me of how I sound like in the, in the shower. <laughs> but, <laughs> so it's very relatable. Summer, it's okay. Not everyone's born a singer. That's fine. Um, but it's a but, muscle, so you can actually train yourself. You can become a better singer than what you were initially. Aren't you, like trying to look for a, a coach or something some sort I was yeah um I mean I don't think it will happen anytime soon as long as there are still restrictions because I'd rather it be in person rather than you know on Skype with my my quality um they're still questionable so um hopefully fingers crossed post pandemic but I really enjoy singing I don't think I'm any good at it to be honest like you um so no. summer I relate to you. Claire relates to you. We're in your corner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And someone really gives me uh, gives me the Hermione feeling. Yeah. And in this, it's just just so cute. I can really yeah. relate to her. It's so cute. Me too. I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, here's to all the girls who are like banded as bossy, which is 100% me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I definitely could relate to her as well. But yes, you were saying. Yeah. But one of the criticisms I have for this song, not musically, but narratively, it's very hard for the audience to keep track of who's who. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, I remember Summer because she talks in class and she was like the first person to kind of be like, oh, hey, here's like how we do things. And then like, do we like constantly diss her and to be like, oh, yeah, we don't do that anymore and that kind of stuff. So you remember, well, I remember Summer. Mm-hmm. But for all the other kids, it's so hard to memorize who's who. And yeah. like, and later on, we also get to learn a little bit more about their struggles at home. Mm-hmm. So like their relationship with their parents or like um, their true passions or their struggles, that sort of thing. And while it's very nice to kind of introduce a little bit more backstory and personality into each kid, there is so many there are yeah. way too many kids the thing is that they don't really pick and be like oh here's a, the, a few most important ones sort of like every kid is kind of like equally important in some regard um in the movie they have like a couple ones that are more standing out in mm-hmm. a way like we get to see like, oh um tomika is like having some problem with her weight and then um, Freddie was like having more issue with like trying to find his identity because he's like constantly being told that he's not intelligent enough, that kind of thing. But in the musical, when there are just like a couple lines introducing who they are and what they do, it's really hard to keep track. So that's just one of the challenges I found um, when I was trying to watch and follow the whole thing. I don't know yeah. if you feel the same. I definitely do. I had to go back a few times to like kind of realize who is who, what's their name, what's their struggle with their parents even. Some of them had more highlights and a uh, song that's um, going to come up if you, only you would listen. Um, but only four of them have like their own little narratives. 
Mm-hmm. And Summer, of course, is very easy to remember because she's kind of like the main kid. So I'd say maybe five of them are kind of mem- memorable. Uh, I guess such is the nature of the beast. We have to cut some things. And I'm I'm a little bit sad this is what they decide to cut. But yeah. yeah. Um, personally, I really like the song. I think it's one of the better songs. I could really feel the energy and the chemistry between Dewey and the kids in here, which I thought mm-hmm. was a really nice touch. Like, even though this is kind of the initial step of building a relationship with them, he got them all excited into something that is really foreign to them which is not necessarily a very easy thing to do, especially when they come with so many preconceived notions of like rock music being bad from home. Um, so I think this is a very well done job um, on his part, really showcases him starting to be an educator narratively. Mm-hmm. Musically, it's one of the catchier songs here and uh, it's just full of energy, which I think is kind of like the point of this musical. Yeah. So um, it's, it's pretty good. All right, so... I guess the next song that I just talked about, if only you would listen, just comes up. So <laughs> um, we see some of the students' home life in the segment, essentially. We see that all the students have pretty negative interactions with their parents, but we focus specifically on four of them. So um, Freddie um, is facing issues such as limited autonomy. And for Billy, he kind of has, like, limitation on what interests and hobbies he can partake in. And also, like, a flavor of compulsory gender roles. So we see him putting, like, a Vogue magazine and trying to hide it by putting a Sports Illustrated in front of it. Next is uh, Tamika. So Tamika has a lot of um, insecurities about her... Uh, social life or intelligence interestingly weight is not something that is brought up and I think it's because in the musical she's not played by somebody who is who like she's played by somebody who's very thin so I guess they decided to cut that out but because she's new she has all these kind of like doubts about you know settling in and uh, finally we see Zach who is being flat out ignored by his dad almost he has like a really really busy um, dad and he seems to not pay much attention for him and just dismiss him um, all the time. So um, after we get like kind of the uh, more specialized view into these four students, all the rest of the students join along and sing about their parents not listening to them in general. And this one also felt very Matilda-esque to me. It's cute. It's nothing special musically, to be honest. The kids are very, very good in their role. But it felt Matilda-esque, but not as good. What do you think? I think it's actually quite a beautiful song. Like, it has the, like, guitar in the background, and he sounds very innocent, but very lonely at the same Mm -hmm. time. And that comes up to me as extra powerful, because there's a lot of children's voices mixed together. And I like how, even though this musical is technically about rock, like, they have softer, sentimental numbers like this, and I really appreciate that. Obviously, narratively, it's an important number to kind of help us know a little bit more about the kids. And like you said, like we kind of get to see like clips of their interaction in their family. So I think it's an interesting fact that um, even though they're just kids, they're like really, really small kids. But a lot of them like already um, emotionally is very mature, too. Mm -hmm. And I like when they kind of voice up for a more minority group, like the kids, like and Mm -hmm. then have them have a voice to kind of speak up and then express their frustration, loneliness, whatever. I think it's nice when musicals do that. Mm -hmm. So 
I like Matilda in that regard, and I like it here that they're trying to do it. I agree. I think most numbers in Matilda um, just kind of speak to me more. And musically, it's something that I can connect with better. But this song, I think, being the original song that is completely separated from the movie, I still think it does a really good job. And musically, I also enjoy it, too. Does it not oh, remind you exactly. Of when okay, you say that, I'm like, that's the song I had in mind. Yes. <laughs> I was just checking. I was like, there's some songs I could pinpoint which one it is supposed to be like revolting children uh would stick it to the man and this one is definitely when i grow up down to the feeling of like you know there is it's it's sweet but it's still like there's something missing in there there is a little bit of melancholic tinge to it Mm -hmm. um yeah (laughs) yeah definitely i wonder if they have like i don't know same songwriters or something but think so because it's different okay. people who made the, the musical right so i mean the I'm producer a... can be different oh producer then... i also don't think so because the stage and everything that like the feel of it looks okay the visual feel of it looks completely different like i think matilda is very distinct in the way that it looks and school of rock also has its own very distinct persona it could be it could be because they're very similar but my hunch is that they saw matilda's success and that's the reason why this exists so they're trying to literally paste narrative by narrative song by song which one would correspond to matilda okay interesting. which is a bit of a cynical view i admit <laughs> but, uh this is All my right. hunch all right, so the uh, next song is In the End of Time, a cappella version. Um, Dewey quizzes them about the artists the kids like, and he's super dissatisfied with their answers. So he kind of tries to like teach them more about rock music. So when they kind of like throw ideas for the band, um, Dewey says he has a song and the kids ask him to sing it. And he says, like, he try, kind of justifies like, oh, it's, it's something I wrote in 15 minutes it's not very good and we kind of get the idea that he didn't have anything at all so he improvises one on the spot which is impressive if he managed to do that to do that (laughs) in the first place but the song sucks (laughs) which i think was the idea of it it doesn't really have a hook to it it doesn't really have a purpose or rhyme reason anything um it just like impression of something like he throws in like sound effects and he's like cutting himself in the middle saying this is what the stage should look like like there should be smoke coming around here um so obviously it's not polished but it seems like they're buying it anyway so I guess in that sense it's a good vibe what do you think I actually really like the song obviously (laughs) in this like at this point the musical like it's very sloppy and nothing is polished obviously he was just kind of like sticking his mind out as he was going on uh, making stuff up on the spot yeah and but I listened to the rock like the full version of the song and I, I think I like it better than stick it to the man because it the latter just sounds really repetitive to me mm-hmm. after some time so in the end of time is actually something that I think it was a better number and it also comes from the movie too so yeah. I really like it in that regard I think it's the better rock songs in this musical but yeah, I think it's a shame that they don't have a full version of the song ever in this musical. Like, they have like a band practice version, but it was yeah. very brief. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think for me, the song is mainly about the vibes. It gives really good vibes. It, it vibes. It shows how chaotic Dewey is as a person. And it also kind of gives you a twinge of admiration for him. The fact that he was able to come up with all this on the spot. And also, um, as you mentioned, like Zach was really 
um, paying attention and taking it very seriously, it also starts to show how they begin to idolize him as a person and how seriously they take his teaching. So I like that aspect, but I didn't think all that much of the song. <laughs> all right, I have no idea how to pronounce this next thing, but it's faculty quadrille. Um, the faculty complains the kids are misbehaving. What I like, though, is the lyrics. So they kind of like use old-fashioned terminology that's referring to kids as pre-adults. So it's a very like old idea of what like kids were like. So um, it's pretty like before kids or childhood was considered to be a thing like kids were literally just considered as pre-adults and they would go to work and they would marry at like a very young age um so it feels like the same kind of vibe and shows how rigid and stuck the system is but to disrupt that dewey kind of like enters the faculty and is quizzed by the rest of the staff and um he also asks rosalie to take the kids on a field trip and she refuses Musically, I hate all of it except the chorus. <laughs> I think the chorus sounds really good, but the rest of it is just really meh. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting because their conclusion is if we do something his way, maybe we would do some good, which is slightly different than the typical discipline school that we often see in production, such as Matilda, because usually like, the other teachers would be like, yeah, you should like follow our way like this is the way to teach the students and if you try to do things differently then um you're often be the one getting laughed at so i find it interesting that they change well not change but they their conclusion is like oh maybe if we can do it his way too then it will be different the song itself is not all too horrible but i also don't feel like it's a shame if it was ever getting cut in the musical too I agree, yeah. I think because it reuses the same melody as a previous song and the teachers really don't have much to do with it yeah, at all, um, it could easily be cut. So the musical is like over two hours long. Mm-hmm. Um, and considering I'm sure the main demographic is kids, I don't see a reason why they should stretch it. Um, <laughs> So the next one is Stick It to the Man um, slash In the End of Time band practice. So the kids practice their song for the competition, but Dewey isn't satisfied with their passion. Um, And to motivate them, he tries to teach them what rock music is all about. Um, And it's all about sticking it to the man. So he asks the kids to dig deep inside and find what they want to stick it to the man for. So yeah, as I mentioned many times before, this really gives me Revolting Children vibe. I don't think it's as good as Revolting Children, but I think it's really up there for me. I personally enjoy the song. I think all the kids are very, very cute. Um, Even though the message might be a little bit misguided, I think it shows them a healthy cynicism of the world. And they do it in a very, very cute way, to be honest. What do you think? Both songs are okay like it's pretty good um stick it to the man like first time i listened to it i really liked it mm-hmm. um i really enjoyed it it's very catchy musically mm-hmm. it's very nice yes. but i don't imagine this will be a song that i can kind of keep on listening to over and over again just because it gets really competitive oh sorry really repetitive um it does get really competitive <laughs> and that too spoiler alert <laughs> <laughs> and it just keeps on getting replayed the same 
phrase, yeah. like, sticking to the man. And yeah. I'm just, oh, it gets overplayed way, way, way too much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to the point that it becomes really boring by the end of it. And because that they play the song so much in this musical, like they, that also contributes to how I kind of get bored of it by the end mm -hmm. of the musical. So, yeah. But if you listen to it the first time, it's actually quite a nice number. I agree I with think you. Mm -hmm. The fact that he was trying to motivate the children to be like, yeah, unleash the anger or like uh, express the frustration. It's a very nice stress releasing strategy or the mechanism, I feel like. Zach's guitar solo is also kind of fun. I don't know if, I think they actually played it, right? They do. So they, they announced yeah. at the beginning of the musical um, that all the kids actually play their instrument. And I think that's amazing. Like it's really, really... Um, that's really amazing like great that they're able to do that and they're able to achieve that kind of mastery over their instrument at this young of an age um mm -hmm. I was impressed <laughs> all right so you did mention the song gets repetitive and I think you're vindicated because the next song is in the end of time the audition and stick it to the man the first reprise um so literally just after it's being played it's being played again <laughs> so, um, despite Rosalie forbidding the field trip, uh, Dewey hatches a plan to sneak, sneak the children out during gym so they can go to the Battle of the Bands audition. So, um, the sneaking out is very cute in my opinion. Um, I love that Dewey couldn't whistle and had to, like, improvise another signal and that the kids were super, like, into the whole sneaking out thing. It's not musical, but I thought it was a really cute segment. Um... Dewey gives, like, the kids one last pep talk before the audition when they're kind of, like, insecure about their abilities but learn that even though, like, they're okay to um, play in the audition after the pep talk, they are unfortunately too late and the auditions are already done. So, um, Summer, we did compare her to Hermione Granger before and I'm going to compare her again. In a Hermione Granger lying about the troll in the Philosopher's Stone moment lies that they were late because they're all terminally ill. Um, so they got the audition and they managed to qualify and compete in the actual Battle of the Bands. Personally, I did not enjoy the audition song, but uh, I did still enjoy Stick It to the Man at this point. I'm not as averse to repetition, but it definitely gets repeated a lot. Do you have any thoughts about this? No, not really. Okay. <laughs> because it's just pretty much what we heard like literally 10 minutes ago exactly. or not even so exactly yeah. they definitely ran out of things to write about mm -hmm. um but yeah notably this is the closer for act one so i think it leaves us on a very triumphant note um they managed to like mastermind their way out of the school and into the audition despite the auditions being closed and they managed to like kick ass in the audition and like qualify so um really good for them <laughs> i think it's a it's a good ending for act one in stark contrast as we already talked about the opening for act two is very very boring so um we open with a song, Time to Play. So Summer organizes the band, and we learn there are 36 hours left before the competition. So um, Summer forces Billy to reveal his costume design, and she and her other kids don't approve of them and asks him to remake them. And that's essentially all that happens in the song. What do you think? I don't like it. 
yeah it's not like i have a thing about the children's vocal and nothing for summer personally so like this is definitely not related to summer in any way but musically it's really boring narratively it's not much Mm -hmm. i feel like it's very weak compared to how we end act one Mm -hmm. act one was kind of ended in like a hype it's very energetic like it has the rocky vibe and this musical is supposed to be about rock and you will be surprised to find that not that many songs are rock even and I can understand, like, oh, maybe not every single song has to be rock just because the song, uh, sorry, the musical is about rock. But I still find it a little bit disappointing that they don't include more rock songs. But um, yeah, that this is just coming out from a rock fan. I couldn't agree more. I think it's a very boring number and it doesn't do much at all. The kids are cute as always, but it's really a disappointing opening to act two considering how well act one closed so I didn't think much of it um so as if all the repetition hasn't been enough this is the second number that isn't Andrew Lloyd's Webber's so the next number is Amazing Grace which I'm sure we all know um so we cut to a staff meeting at the teacher's lounge um teachers have to create presentations for the next day's parents meeting So Rosalie stresses how absolutely important it is um, to have a good impression on the parents when Dewey tries to, like, take it easy on it. So after she leaves, um, Dewey calls her an ice queen and the rest of the staff reveal that she's actually into rock music herself, even though she is a little bit of a bore the rest of the time. And that changes a little bit how Dewey sees her. So... The parents' meeting is the same day as the Battle of the Bands, which means the kids won't be able to sneak out. But Dewey says he'll come up with a plan. Um, And after that, Tamika approaches Dewey, expressing that she wants to be in the band as the lead singer, not as a backup vocal. And Dewey asks her to sing something to show her abilities, and she sings Amazing Grace. She does give, in my opinion, a very good performance, um, and she makes it to the band. But as I mentioned before, this is the second song that hasn't been composed by Andrew Lloyd Webber in this musical, and there is a lot of repetition in the musical as it is. So that bunch together is a little bit worrying for me. Um, and kind of gives me a sign that maybe he's a little bit out of ideas for this musical, but I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. (laughs) I really don't have too much to say. Like, nice vocal, but that's about it. Yeah. Um, narratively, though, I have a question. So, like, in the movie, Battle of the Bands is occurring later in the day, but in here, it's supposed to overlap with the parents' night or the parents' meeting or whatever. Why would the Battle of the Band occur during work hours? Or in general, even if like, oh, they're too cool to be working because they're so <laughs> rock and roll, wouldn't it make more sense to do it at night anyway? Like at night, it's a, I'm assuming, again, no knowledge of it, but I'm assuming it's considered a more rock and roll time. I like, think it is during the night because it's called the parents' night. Right. It's called the parents night in the movie, but in here she calls it the parents meeting and then the kids run away during like the parents meeting. So I don't know. Maybe I misunderstood, but in from from my understanding it literally and because he had to ask her about the school field trip and he literally like charms her into giving them a school field trip that is supposed to be the purpose of them going to here, I'm assuming it's during school time. 
I mean, I don't know about the timing, but I'm guessing for the length of the musical, they can't make a logical explanation on that. So yeah, just accept it as it is. Yeah, but it just seems very unrocknoral to me. Um, I would assume that they want something at night. But again, maybe they want to exclude all the boring normies who go to school and have a job. Um, all right. So after this, we have another forgettable number, in my opinion. Math is a wonderful thing. Rosalie enters the classroom and the kids quickly disperse um, as Dewey fakes teaching them math. She entered because other teachers heard music coming from the classroom and uh, she wanted to see what that is all about. And she quickly finds his guitar. Um, So he improvises teaching them math and other quote unquote boring subjects through music. And she decides to sit in on his class to supervise where he kind of pulls the rest of the lesson out of his ass. Uh, (laughs) So it gives me a very chaotic bard energy Rosalie obviously isn't really impressed by his musical methods um, and she kind of tells him off for it Um, and afterwards Dewey asks her out and she accepts so I think it's a very boring forgettable number and again he came out like he came up with it on the spot the kind of questions that he asked them like were addition and subtraction mainly and maybe a little bit of division I'm not even sure and those seem way too simple for children at their level not only the fact that they are 10 years old I'm assuming they would go for fractions or something like that but also because they're in a prep school so I cannot understand how she could possibly buy this so narratively I have more problem with it except for the fact that musically it's also boring but what do you think yeah it's really short it doesn't really have much meaning I don't think I wouldn't even call this a number if you ask me For me, I had a bone to pick with this about the fact that she literally did not call him out of the content. Literally teaching them addition and subtraction for 10 years old, that's ridiculous. Uh, But notably, it was taken directly from the movie. So maybe we should blame the movie. I don't know. But I think Uh, she agreed to go up with him right after this. Like, wouldn't you be having questions about like who this person is or like whether they're capable or not and you're just like oh he asked me out let's go get coffee i have some gripes with it which i'll talk about next number okay uh which is where did the rock go so um at their date dewey and rosalie go to a bar even though they agreed to get coffee um which would piss me right off but (laughs) he tries to impress her by putting on the rock artist the faculty told him she likes and um she does vibe to it and she kind of like bemoans not being as fun and carefree as she used to be um since her job as a principal is very demanding and kind of shaped who she became so she sings about her youth and her relationship with music and goes to leave after. But before she leaves, uh, Dewey asks her again if she could make an exception for the field trip. And she says um, she will if he will impress the parents tomorrow. And right after she says that, Dewey kisses her. Going to the relationship. I felt this moment was really, really sad because she said right after he kisses her, um, you didn't have to do that. You already had my permission. And that is heartbreaking because it means that he like she thinks at least he wanted to go on a date with her because he needed or wanted something from her and she was just that lonely (laughs) that she like thought that this is the only way she could like achieve human connection or something so I was really really like heartbroken for her but that actually made it worse to be honest because thinking from that point of view the fact that he's absolutely taking advantage of her here is really disgusting to me 
but before all that, like before her solo, actually, I felt like they had a really cute vibe at the bar. Um, and I wish there was a little bit more of that in a musical. They were kind of like goofing yeah, off and they were connecting. Yeah. yeah, and I thought it was really adorable. But yeah, I already mentioned before that I think the song is okay. Um, it's not my cup of tea. It doesn't show off her musical abilities. I think it's just not my cup of tea. That's that's my main issue with it. I don't think it's inherently a bad song. It's just not to my liking. But what do you think? I have a feeling, a sinking suspicion, this is your favorite from the musical. No, it's not. Oh, So, okay. wrong. Like, I'm a little bit softer in terms of, like, how I see the song. Like, obviously, I love her voice. It's so good. The song itself, it's not bad, but obviously it can be more interesting. I feel like there is always something that I was expecting, like, especially during the chorus, I feel like, I'm expecting the next, like, not drop, but, like, you know, when you're, like, mm-hmm. expecting the song to go to that high note or whatever, or, like, the climax, totally. but it's just not there, and you're just like, oh, my God, that is so dissatisfying, and then that's it. The the song ends, and you know that is all you're gonna get, but if you judge the song just by yourself, like, it's not a horrible song, but I agree. I think it can definitely be a little bit more interesting, and um, it can push the vocal skills a little bit more too you know what I don't okay so you I know you are very familiar with the Toy Story franchise this gave me a very poor version of when she loved me from Toy Story 2 oh interesting um and I really loved when she loved me because it's it's a fantastic song because of that it also gave me a country feel rather than a rock feel um yeah that's what I'm saying like they need more rock songs I know this is a sentimental moment and an emotional moment for her character yeah like there's a lot of great emotional songs in rock but like Mm -hmm. yeah I don't know well you need Rhapsody I'm sure (laughs) (laughs) that's my problem with the song yeah yeah I don't uh think I hate it as much as you do I don't hate it I think it's an okay song I'm just really disappointed Okay. Wow, I sound like such a parent. I'm not <laughs> angry. I'm just disappointed in you. Um, yeah, yeah, that's my sentiment for this. All right, so the next song is School of Rock, Band Practice. So um, Dewey is about to leave Ned's apartment for work when Patty finds a letter to uh, from Horace Green addressed to Ned with a check inside. So Patty leaves for work, but asks Ned to call Horace Green to ask about, you know, the check and what's happening there. Um, And that's when Dewey fesses up about impersonating him. And uh, he, in the process, makes Ned swear not to tell Patty about all of this. And then we cut to the school. Selfish. Sorry. Selfish. 100%. For sure. I mean, at least I'm hoping he's giving him the money. I mean, I know he's ruining his reputation, but if he's impersonating him and he already owes him the money for rent, just give him the damn money. Um, That's at least what I was thinking during this. But we cut to the school where Rosalie, once again, stresses how important parent night or parent meeting or whatever it is, is and um, how Dewey really needs to perform. So at the classroom, Zach is playing an original song that he composed, uh, which really impresses Dewey, um, so much so that he decides to perform it in the competition instead of the song he came up with. So any thoughts? Um... I really don't have much to say here. I think it's a very short one. Not short, but, like, it's kind of, like, broken into pieces a little bit. It's not, not like, one... Yeah, it's not one full song. And you know how I feel about the messy songs? So Mm -hmm. 
I don't appreciate it as much because of that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I don't mind the lack of polish, but it just doesn't sound as good as the final version. I agree with you on that. So it doesn't leave much of an impression. Yeah. Um, okay, so here is when shit really hits the fan um, in Dewey's confession. So while they're learning the song, Rosalie and the parents walk in horrified by what they see. Um, so the parents start complaining that their kids don't do anything besides playing music and all their aspiration um, kind of shifted towards music instead of what their parents wanted to be. And um, Dewey tries to calm things down by praising the kids to their parents in a very honest and endearing way, actually. But before the parents can react, Patty storms in with Ned in tow, revealing Dewey's identity, after which Dewey finally confesses. Um, so this causes kind of like a commotion during which the parents hound Rosalie for answers and Dewey and the kid take the opportunity to leave the com- for the competition. This is also not that memorable of a song for me. It's relatively short, too. I didn't have much to think about it, but it is like one of the peak moment of the show and I think the interactions between Dewey and the kids and the way he talks about them is really really sweet and I think this is a wake-up call that the parents definitely needed to hear so I think it speaks to the change that occurred in him Uh, but as a song it's not that much in my opinion so from there we go to a reprise of if only you would listen, and uh, a second reprise of Stick It to the Man. So two reprises again. One of the kids forgot his equipment and goes back to get it when he sees Rosalie. Um, And she asks him to stay behind and let her know where the rest of the class is. But he says he has to go because he believes in Dewey, um, to which Rosalie replies that Dewey lied to all of them. He says he still doesn't care because um, all he cares is the values that he taught them. So um, because of that, she kind of gets convinced, which is a very easy way to convince her, I guess, and let him go saying she will hold appearance back to give them a buffer. So not only was she convinced, she is now an ally, which is great for them, I guess. So Dewey comes back to the apartment and Patty lets him know what he did was fraud and demands uh, he leaves by the time she gets back. So Ned confronts Dewey himself, finally, for never thinking about how this will affect him and asks him to move out as well. Uh, good for you, Ned. Finally, finally, finally yeah. did that. Uh, couldn't, it should have been sooner, but okay. Dewey uh, is about to give up when the kids burst in, begging him to join them. And he reminds them and he, he lied to them and used them, but the kids don't care because he was the only one who would listen to them. So because of that, he's convinced and they reprise Stick It to the Man. Uh, I know it's a repetition, but do you have any thoughts about the narrative aspect of this? To be fair, it's a very typical early 2000 comedy film or like yeah. a, a plot in that sense. And I find it very unrealistic. So while I was watching it, and I guess like if you kind of just take your brain out and then stop thinking for a second, you can just enjoy it. But then once you kind of start putting your brain together and then think about this for one second and you'll be like, there is some big problems here <laughs> because everything like Patty and um and Nett said about Dewey is right. Like mm-hmm. he is risking his best friend's career. Like he is committing a crime that is serious that would probably get him in jail. Like this is not something we can just be like, oh yeah, happy ending and that's it. You know, like the, if this happens in real life, this will never be the way that ends it. For me, it's very old school. It's mm-hmm. not surprising. It's very typical, almost a boring p- 
plot that yeah. you will see in every single early 2000s drama or like com- uh, comedy film or movie or every production. So I think it's very predictable in the sense. Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree with you. And even in in the aspect that doesn't relate to like the adult version of like mm-hmm. Ned and Patty and all that kind of stuff. Considering the kids, we haven't in the musical seen him listen to any of the kids, to be honest. So, um, for example, with Tamika, who um, is the lead singer of the band, he literally forgot about her not having a role until she came to him and asked for the lead, which happens sometimes after. So for the auditions, for example, um, she wouldn't have had anything. Yeah, Um, and for Billy, too. And he was like showing him like the design he has and then dude is like oh yeah we are not gonna use it so mm-hmm. like in what way did the children feel like they were being heard i i don't know i don't and, i couldn't would, relate to it yeah and i wouldn't mind him saying like oh you know we're not going to use your design but he's not giving him any guidance and when mm-hmm. he suggests like oh you know i'm just not gonna do any work they just should just like perform in their uniform he's like yeah and the only reason what why billy had something to do is because he took it upon himself to create uniform-esque costume for Dewey so he didn't give Billy any guidance at all and he didn't actually nurture any of the kids in terms of their own interests he only nurtured like his interests and shaped the kids in his image so like there was a scene where he dismissed the musical interests that weren't rock related so the kids like Mm -hmm. were interested in like Taylor Swift, Kanye, Barbara Streisand how can you dismiss Barbara Streisand excuse me um and he like just said all of these are crap listen to what I like it feels very forced like he kind of came in not as like an equal not as like a friend who is there being supportive is more like here is what's better and here's what you (laughs) need to do and even I was going to leave this to my final thought, but I'm just gonna say it here. But even before that, before the um, the part when he was like dissing their musical interest, he was not caring about any of the children until like he realized that he can play some sort of instruments. Mm-hmm. And even then, like he only pay attention to the ones that can create the band that he had in mind. For all the other people, or all the other kids who had no um part no active part in like performing with the band like he just didn't seem like he cared enough to be like assigning rules for every single person like you said and in that regard because there was very poor and minimum development in terms of the relationship between Dewey and the students it's so hard for me to relate to the fact that they are able to just being very persistent and then placing all their trust and love for Dewey to come into his apartment be like hey you need to come with us and they are still very accepting of him. So all this part makes it feels like it's very cheap comedy film. Mm-hmm. And then the happy ending only comes because the plot calls for it. And other than that, like there was no strong evidence to kind of support the emotional connection that they shared, um, which is a shame for me. I think it would make so much more sense and it would be so much more wholesome if there was any visible trace of evidence saying that hey this is how they created a bond Mm -hmm. and then this is how they kind of connect in the music yeah and I find it especially funny because the song they're singing to him is if only you would listen and they're implying that he's the one who listens to them and no he hasn't listened to you at all throughout any part of the way the only person who maybe he channeled like their natural um proclivities towards anything might be summer because you know she likes 
things to be a certain way. She likes things to be very ordered. And he mm-hmm. utilized that for being band manager, which, yeah, he didn't want to assign it to her in the first place. After Like, only when she had it back and forth with him, that's when she, he did it. Um, and not to bring it to Matilda again, but I have to. I feel like Matilda is an excellent example of how a nurturing teacher acts, <laughs> you know, in terms of Miss Honey. She like rents or like takes out books for Matilda when uh, she's not allowed in the library anymore. She bonds with her over interests that Matilda holds and not ones that she's trying to impose on her. She is a safe haven for her in her own right. And in here, he literally only likes the children when children are like him. Yeah, so this is a little bit of a bummer for me. And I think it definitely makes the musical feel a little bit cheap. But yeah, I guess that's that's a little bit of the final thoughts interjecting in here. <laughs> All right. So going back to the actual plot, um, the next song is I'm Too Hot For You, Reprise. So Patty and Ned come back. And when she hears Dewey is going to the competition, demands Ned to do something. And he does do something by deciding to join Dewey instead of, you know, sticking up with her. Um, it, we, we talked about this many times, but... I still really don't understand what compelled him to do that besides the fact that, you know, Patty is being really annoying. All the issues with Dewey impersonating him hasn't changed whatsoever. Um, he hasn't properly apologized even. Frankly, yeah. it's puzzling. Yeah, it's puzzling to me. Um, but yeah, we cut to the competition where Dewey's old band reprises their song from the beginning. Um, okay, so the next song is School of Rock. This one has to be your favorite because this, this is the last original song. Before the performance, Dewey gives the kids a final pep talk, reminding them they aren't here to win, they're here to rock, uh, which is one of the good, decent things he says. Um, So before the performance starts, the parents arrive and the kids stand up to them and play anyway. What do you think? Yeah, I like the rock concert vibe. I like how it's like um, a stage to be a rock concert and everyone seems like they're really enjoying themselves, which is always something I like to see. I it always makes me laugh like watching the backup singers so like the three girls they're just like shaking their heads off like as the music <laughs> goes on it was so cute um it was just so adorable I really loved it I like the music obviously I think it's one of the favorites if not the favorite I enjoyed the song a lot but obviously for the narrative purpose it was just that it's this one last big show that they'll pull them together so mm-hmm. in that regard there really isn't much to it like meaning wise but you just kind of have to sit back relax and enjoy it um yeah. the performance really yeah i agree um to me again no knowledge this feels more <laughs> like a top 40s music it could be because kids are singing it and they have words and they're like teacher's pet, which seems very juvenile to me. It feels like a kid's bop version. I don't know if you're familiar with kid's bop, um, no. but it's very frustrating when you want to oh. like, listen to something and you stumble across the kid's bop version instead. Um, but yeah, if you if you want to look it up afterwards, this is a quintessential kid's bop. Um, and it makes sense to me they didn't win in the end. It really doesn't feel rock and roll to me. Um, mm-hmm. But I really like the musical instrumentation of this. It's super, super adorable. I enjoy Top 40, so I think this is actually really cute. I enjoy the song overall. And I think this is a one last big hurrah for the musical itself. Same. Um, I think the last two songs are just kind of fair. Like, yeah. they're not 
yeah, it's just more so they're just singing it. And yeah. That's pretty much it. Yeah, so for the last two songs, guess what they play? <laughs> it's Took It to the Man, Encore, uh, slash Finale. So after their performance is finished, the parents hurriedly hug their kids, saying how proud they are of them. A very wholesome moment, in my opinion. I enjoyed it. Um, Patty comes in accompanied by cops to arrest Dewey. Um, and then to save him, Rosalie says Dewey is the school's music coach, after which the cops leave. So Patty goes after um, them with Ned, um, who is sporting a new rock star look, which apparently she really digs. And if that's the case, I really don't understand why he bothered to even hide the guitar hero and band obsession because she seems to be into it, but whatever. Um, And then Rosalie doubles down about giving Dewey the music coach position and kisses him right before the judges announce the winner of the competition is actually Dewey's old band. Um, Dewey consults the kid, which is a flip they did from the movie, and I actually like that. In the movie, the kids consult him. Um, And the judges call the School of Rock band for an encore due to audience demand. And the finale is just everyone talking, taking a bow with Rosalie performing Queen of the Night to rock music in the background. Um, all right. Any thoughts about the final sequence or should we go straight to our final thoughts? I'm going to st- go straight to my final thought, if that's all okay. Right. That is so fine my overall experience watching this, it's quite pleasant. I because I'm a rock fan, I feel like the mm-hmm. rock element is something that I really like and appreciate. Um, but that being said, I think music wise, um, if you come from like Phantom, this is definitely not his best work compared to Phantom and I don't imagine most of the big numbers that here will enjoy an afterlife they're kind of more inferior to his earlier confections but it's really not that bad like if Phantom was like maybe high, um, high in the 90s range then this is for me like maybe around like the 60 70 range which is not entirely horrible but obviously there's room to be improved my only criticism is most of the songs here are really repetitive mm-hmm. and I, I think I can't say it enough like stick it to the man just it just recurrent over the cast and not all blank should be directed at the musicals creators however like the songs borrowed from the movie I think they're still really nice I still really enjoy if only you would listen the first version performed by the the group of kids i also really enjoyed that um and i think it's because probably like when i grew up in matilda was my favorite song so i like that sort of vibe but other than that like i feel like the music is um is good but it's not entirely super strong and as far as the story goes I normally don't like the dump movies of this kind mm-hmm. and especially when dewey is really committing fraud but anyways, like it's a wholesome movie or like a wholesome storyline that is supposed to be funny and light. So I guess like most of us will kind of just let that slide. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the reason why I didn't like Dewey's character, like he just, like I said, he didn't really care about the kids until that he knew that they can play music. And obviously it's nice of him to kind of see potential in them and see them as they are in a way. But his foundational character is not likable at all to me. Mm-hmm. And Again, he risked his friend's career, and this is seriously crime. But however, once you kind of let that slide and you kind of shut off your brain completely, then you can just purely enjoy the lightheartedness of the story without having to think too much about how serious it would be in real life. And in terms of the performance, 
first thing is that knowing that the kids, the cast, is so talented. They're all so talented. Like mm-hmm. all the singing, all the vocals, the acting, the- and the fact that they play instruments live is just absolutely mind blowing. So A plus plus for that entirely. Um, but other than that, like the other characters, they don't really get a chance to shine. And notably. Sierra, or like I guess um, Rosalie in this case, she really didn't de- get the attention that she deserves. And being like the love or like the romantic love interest or like the female counterpart in the story, um, there is a lot more that they can probably develop, but they just didn't choose to do that. So mm-hmm. it's a shame for me. Um, for me. The main highlight of the musical has absolutely been the casting. So obviously Alex Brightman, Sierra Bogas, and the kids did a fantastic job. Um, also Ned and Patty, I think, really sold their roles. I know we haven't really talked about them as characters besides like the performance of the characters, but Patty came as uh, like very unlikable, but she had like good pipes to her. Um, Ned really sells it acting wise, um, and he has good chemistry when he plays guitar hero with um, Jimmy. So casting, they really like managed to make some magic happen. Um, Alex Bergman is great at his role for sure. Sierra Bogas has been robbed. <laughs> um, the did pad out her role compared to the movie. So, for example, in the movie, she wasn't a love interest. He just literally went out on a date with her to try to get her to agree to the field trip. And in the movie, she actually, it's hinted at least, that she ends up with one of the bandmates and not Dewey. And, yeah, so they puffed up her role for this, which I appreciate there has been an attempt that was made, um, but not enough. Uh, in terms of story, I dislike the story. <laughs> um, it is very predictable. It doesn't make an impression. Um, I think you can tell a children's story in a way that will stick with the children for a long time afterwards and they will reminisce or even revisit afterwards um, repeatedly. So for me, it was Matilda um, thinking back to like maybe even the first few Harry Potters that have been more innocent. That's definitely something that a lot of people um still remember very fondly and have been stuck with their entire life and this is not that kind of story for sure she's a little bit disappointing um the songs are repetitive a lot of the time and um they borrow from other source materials um but the ones that have been developed for the musical for example um i forgot the full name but the when i climbed to the top of mount rock and you're in the band is kind of okay i did not enjoy a lot of the other ones but i did enjoy stick it to the man even though it was reprised i don't mind the repetition um i just wish there was more care into the musical i didn't get that but i'm also not a big fan of rock um that could be maybe why i didn't connect to it all that much i enjoyed seeing the diversity of the students, the different like home lives they come from, a little glimpse into why they need the kind of special attention from Dewey or from, you know, teachers in general. I think that's something that's very informative and maybe something that the parents who take their children to see this can reflect on. But yeah, I just was a little bit disappointed with the story and with the musical. And for me, that's a lot of what makes the musical what it is. So that is my final thought. All right. So, um, final ranking i guess all right so i'm gonna give it 6.5 out of, out of 10 guitars 
Oh man. Okay, what I went with was five out of ten axes. So essentially the same thing. But <laughs> um, nice. All right. So uh, this has been the School of Rock. If you want us to talk about any other musical or if you want to talk about this current musical with us, we definitely appreciate hearing your thoughts. Um, you can find us on Podway Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Reddit, though we're much more active on Instagram and Reddit. Um, or you can also email us at podwaypodcast at gmail.com. All right. Thank you very much, everybody. See you in the next episode. Bye, guys. Bye.